Well, I have to say that on this uh, 130th week of self-isolation and social distancing, it, I don't know about you, but it sure feels like more than a couple weeks. Uh, I was thinking about how just on March 8th we had a baptism and the place was packed out. But that feels like it was years ago. And yet we continue to worship God, and yet we continue to read the scriptures and to see what God has to say to us in such a time as this. And so I want to encourage all of you to either pull out your app on your phone or to pull out your Bible so that today you can follow along in the scriptures as I read them, because we're going to be taking a look at Paul's letter to the Romans, in particular chapter 8, but we're going to have to look at it in a couple pieces. So it will be so much easier for you if you would just uh, follow along in your Bible and then reflect and meditate upon this word during the week ahead, because I think that God has a message for us today. And uh, one of the things that I love about the scriptures is the very fact that as ancient as they are, they always have a word for right now. As ancient as the scriptures are, they're not just a thing of the past but they speak to us in powerful ways in the very moment in which we find ourselves. And so we turn to Paul's letter to the Romans. And let me just introduce this letter by saying that Paul is probably writing in the year 57 or 58, 20, 25 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And one of the things that's really remarkable to think about today is that every one of Paul's letters is written from a distance. Paul is always trying to share the word of God, even though he is not right there with the people and he's longing to be with them. Now, isn't that a timely thing to think about today? Every letter of Paul, he's somewhere else and he's writing to a community that he longs to see face to face. And I, I know many of us feel that way today. And in this letter to the Romans, Paul is teaching us many of the basic beliefs that we hold today as Christians. In fact, scholars think that this letter was, was later... Um, uh, shortened in some ways to take out the pieces that were particular to the Romans, and then it circulated among Christians as basic teachings about what we believe as Christians. And during this season of Lent, and yes, we are still in the season of Lent, this time of reflection upon who we are and how much we need God Paul's first word in the letter to the Romans is that we are all under the power of sin. Every human being has this tendency to do the things we shouldn't do or to not do the things we should. And, of course, again, we see a lot of that happening in this time in which we're living. 
that people become more self-contained in uh, ways where they don't think of themselves as being in community and caring for others, and of course our call is to love God and to love others, even when uh, we are not physically together. And so there is then this whole section that opens up Romans that talks about this human condition and how all of us, uh, Jew, Greek, it doesn't matter, we are all under the power of sin. And then he gets to the heart of this letter, chapter 8. Chapter 8, which provides in some ways the antidote to this human condition, the place that we need to look, the place we need to turn, no matter what is going on in our lives, Paul points us to life in the Spirit. And so I am reading now from chapter 8, and this is verses 9 to 11, where Paul says, But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit. Since the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. Paul is trying to remind us that in and through our baptism, in that time in which we give ourselves over to God and to God's grace, we become connected to God by the power of the Spirit. And the power of the Spirit works within us to be able to overcome that power of sin, to be able to overcome our tendency to do what we should not do. That spirit wants to infuse and enrich and enliven the whole of our lives so that we might more and more be conformed to the way of Jesus Christ in the world. And it is a lifelong kind of process. I mean, think about why we have a season of Lent. It's because we need to remember what parts of our lives we have not given over to Christ. You know, there's always these little pieces of our lives that we want to hold back from the power of the Spirit. For whatever reason, we want to hold on to them. We like our video games too much that we're not willing to give that over to the power of the Spirit. I know a young man who loves church and is very faithful, but he says, you know, there are times I just want to go clubbing. I just want to be wild. And the answer to that would be you haven't given that piece of your life over to the Spirit because God wants the whole of our lives to be conformed to what God has intended for us in this human life. And so we spend some time in Lent and even now asking, what is it I haven't given over to the Spirit? What can I do even in the next couple weeks 
to allow the spirit to take over another piece of my life that I have yet to hand over to God. But, you know, there is something else that needs to be said here, I think, very clearly. And that is that for uh, centuries, there have been Christians who divide the body and the spirit. Body is bad, spirit is good, and that is not what Paul is saying. It is not what Jesus would tell us, because remember when God created these human bodies, they were created and deemed very good. Not to be thrown aside, but in fact to be one whole body, spirit, emotions. God created us in a good way, and the body is to be protected and uplifted in so many ways, so that when today we actually see Christian communities saying, the heck with the body, I believe in Jesus, let's gather a thousand of us together. God all the while is looking down and saying, I gave you brains for a reason, use them. God wants us to protect the body and to protect life, not to, not to ignore these things. You know, when uh, we say, oh, well, I believe in the spirit, so I don't have to worry about the coronavirus. That's like a, a welder saying, well, I believe in the spirit, so I don't need to wear any protective gear. It just doesn't make any sense when we know what is conducive to the health of the human body and to human communities. And so Paul is saying that this body that we have, that God created very good, when, when we have the power of the Spirit enlivening, enriching, animating our bodies, we become more and more the people who God created us to be. And so we should be, the first thing that Paul says, we should be under the power of God's Spirit. But then Paul goes on to say this at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. You see, Paul then goes on to say, we are adopted by God through this spirit. We are children of God. We are not given to the fear that the world knows because we hope and trust in the living God and the promises of God. You know, I am reminded of how during a, a terrible thunderstorm, a child will often, Parker will come into uh, the parents and he'll say, Mommy, Daddy, I'm, I'm afraid. And we as parents, we take the child and we say, we are here, we'll take care of you, you do not need to be afraid. 
It's not like we think we can stop the storms, but we know enough to know the house is safe, we can keep the child safe, and we want them to live without fear during that time. Well, this is exactly Paul's word to us, that God wants to shelter us during this time, that we need not live in fear, but we need to live in God and hope and trust that our adoption into the family of God will always keep us safe and point us toward a good future. God is walking with us now. And when we fall into fear, worries, anxieties, we are being drawn into an unknown future. We are letting ourselves go down the path of what if, what if, what if, what if. But Jesus has taught us, and Paul is telling us, to be where we are in this moment to live by what we know right now, and to walk in faith that the road will unfold before us in God's good time. In fact, hope is what keeps us from falling into worry and fear. Our hope is in the living God. That's the one that we cling to in the storm. That's the one who shelters us. And so we do not live in what-ifs, but we live in what is, and most of all, the what-is of the promise of God for generations. Now, having said that, I don't want to say that we should not grieve at all in this moment. There are many who feel sadnesses right now, and that is okay. Some are sad over those who have uh, lost their lives. Some may be grieving the loss of a job or, or even a cutback in hours. Some may grieve this time of, of isolation and be lonely, and it is okay to feel sad and to feel a certain sense of grief at what is lost right now. I grieve not being face-to-face -face with the community of faith I love. You give me joy, and here we are apart. But that Mourning, that sense of loss, is not the same as fear and worry for the future because I trust that God is at work and God has been at work over all these centuries. God won't fail us now. And so because of the promises of God and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Paul is able to finish out this powerful chapter 8 of Romans with the magnificent words that say this, What then are we to say about these things? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or coronavirus? 
know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's words to us today are so powerful They are pointing us toward our faith and our hope in the living God and knowing that God is at work in spite of the sufferings of the present time. We Christians do not lose heart no matter what we face. We continue to hope in our God. I am reminded of the 96-year-old woman, 96 years old, who when asked, do you have any children, said, not yet. Indeed, Paul knows that we are living in the already, but not yet, and by hope God will see us through. So people of God, whatever you are feeling today, wherever you are, know that God's promises are faithful that by our baptism we are bound to God and the Holy Spirit in ways that we cannot even begin to imagine, and that God is working for the good of the whole of creation. And it's up to us to see it, to point to it, and to show it to others. This is not a time of despair, but a time of great hope. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.